gone, I had the opportunity to go up to Buena Vista and meet with about, I don't know, there's probably about 70 folks that are, a lot of young people, it seemed like they all had like four kids, um, went up there, just recently in the past few months, there's just a group that's gathered and um, they've been brought into our diocese that are part of the Anglican Church in North America and uh, spent Saturday and Sunday and then preached Sunday night. And I got to tell you, there, there is something moving on the western slope. The Lord is moving on the western slope. And it was just so, it encouraged my heart deeply just to get to know some of these people and just what the Lord had invited them into. And, um, and as we see this group form, please be praying for them. They're, they're looking for a senior leader right now and uh, to lead them into this next season. So um, actually, before we begin here this morning and looking at Colossians 1 and 2, let's just pray for them. Thank you, Jesus, that your, your body is worldwide. We thank you for calling us to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And so, Lord, we lift up to you our brothers and sisters in Buena Vista. Encourage them by your spirit. Continue to draw their hearts together. Lord, keep their minds and their eyes firmly fixed on you, Jesus. We pray that you raise up a senior leader, Lord, that will um, lead them uh, and guide them in the ways that you're calling them to go. And so, Lord, also for this time, Jesus, open up our hearts, fling wide the doors of our souls that... The deepest parts of us will find its life in you. The roots of our hearts will be deeply grounded, nourished by the fact that we have been united to you, Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Question. What do you think when somebody says that person is mature? Question. Are you mature? Compared to who? Would your best friend or your spouse call you mature? (laughs) I'll stop there. (laughs) Why or why not? What does it mean to be mature in Christ? What does it mean to be spiritually mature? That, that, that seems like a big concept, and if I'm quite honest, like myself, I'm just like, I'm never quite there. I'm never quite mature. Maybe it's easier for us to uh, identify and understand different parts of immaturity with inside of us. Here, here's a list of maybe some characteristics or qualities of being immature, and the list is up here just in case um, you're wondering. We're going to put this up here just to kind of drive it in a little bit deeper. Um, here's a person of immaturity. They're swayed by false teaching. In other words, they, they, they hear loud, more loudly the, the current of the culture versus the word of God. They're swayed by the opinions of others. They determine themselves and how valuable they are based upon what other people say about them. They're easily offended by scripture and others. There's parts of the word that they just disagree with. They're easily offended, so therefore they're just going to disagree with it. They resist being vulnerable. There's a lack of empathy. They have a hard time understanding how the other person is feeling and putting themselves in their shoes. There's the inability to forgive. Richard Rohr says, what isn't transformed gets transmitted. And for some that are immature, there's just like the spewing out of bitterness and resentment because they can't forgive. And because they can't forgive, what doesn't get transformed gets transmitted. They give in to sinful desires. They're just stuck in this thing that they just can't get out of. Next, they're hurried and they're impatient. Alex Dill de Tocqueville says, He who has set his heart exclusively upon the pursuit of worldly welfare is always in a hurry, for he has but a limited time at his disposal to reach, to grasp, and to to enjoy it. There's a lack of of contentment because I just look at this world and I can't get enough. There's just something inside of me that's just insatiable. Uh, Lastly, lack of contentment. 
Herman Bobnick says, the more abundantly the benefits of civilization come streaming our way, that describes our culture, the emptier our lives become. With all the wealth and power, it only shows that the human heart in which God has put eternity is so huge that all the world is too small to satisfy it. Our hearts are so large that if we're looking to the things of this world to satisfy our hearts, it will never be satisfied. So therefore, we have a lack of contentment. We're like this large field that's trying to get irrigated by the water that's in a, you know, an eyedropper. It's just not enough. The world can't satisfy the deepest longings of our heart because we were built for eternity. So all of these are just qualifications or characteristics of what it, an immature life is. So just the opposite is of a mature life. So the question for us this morning and what Colossians 1 answers is what does it mean to have a mature life? What does it mean to be spiritually mature in Christ? Second movement, what is spiritual maturity? The answer is found in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, and also Colossians 2 first. 28 and 29, what is spiritual maturity? He is the one we proclaim, that is Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is the one goal that Paul had is to, now keep in mind, this is the church that he did not plant to people that he, does not met, he has not met yet or probably will ever meet. And yet his one goal for them is, is that they would experience spiritual maturity. And by the way, uh, clergy, when we take our oath, the oath of conformity, what we say is that we will uphold the scriptures, our life will conform to the scriptures, and that we will be responsible for seeing that the people that God has entrusted under our purview, under our care, are raised up in the fullness of Christ. In other words, our goal as clergy is that to present to the Lord this community fully mature in Christ. That's our goal. That's our goal. But the answer still hasn't been revealed. What does it mean to be spiritually mature? What does maturity mean? This word is telos. It means to be complete, full. Everything that is needed is present. It also is used, according to Loanida, uh, according to, um, with um, initiation, that you're initiated into something. So when you get initiated into a family, you not only grow up in it, but your position um, what you're characterized by, what you are, what your identity is, is your family, the people that you belong to. That's what it means to be full in Christ. You belong to something. You've been initiated into someone. What does that look like? What is the fullness? What does it mean to be complete? Answer, Colossians 2, 2 through 3. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love. Why? So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Where is that found? In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. The mystery of God. That's what it means to be spiritually mature. Now, when we think about mystery, we think of a riddle that we cannot solve. That's not the biblical understanding of mystery. Mystery means that something was previously unknown has now been disclosed or revealed. Think of it like the Old Testament is pointing to someone, to a Messiah that will come. The Old Testament is a foreshadowing of what gets revealed in the New Testament. So think of yourself as you're walking down the path and the sun is behind you and you hear somebody running, but then you see their shadow. Before you see the person, you see their shadow. But as they pass by you, then they become, the, the shadow becomes disclosed. The substance of the, the shadow gets revealed. The Old Testament is a pointer. It's revealing something. It's a shadow of what? Of the good, of the good one who is to come who is Jesus. Jesus is the substance that is being revealed. Previously, it was unknown of who this Messiah is, 
and what he was going to accomplish. And now in the New Testament, what we see revealed is Christ is the substance. He is the mystery that Christ in us is the hope of glory. And it's just not for one tribe or one people, but it's for every tribe, every people. This is the hope of glory, Christ in us. That's what it means to be mature. It means that our lives are surrendered to the life in God who is in us. So maturity is not only a positional but it's also a growing into. But ultimately what it is, is it's surrendering our life, drawing from the, the life that's inside of us, God who is inside of us, Christ through the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of esoteric, a little bit nebulous, but so what does it really mean? Like what does it mean to have a life that's just overflowing with the life of God? You know, what does that look like? What, is it, what does it look like to be drawing from the life source who is Christ in us, the hope of glory? And because a picture says a thousand words, we're going to show you a picture. Here it is. And that place is uh, Gan Hash Losha. Uh, remember that um, ad campaign where he has the hot griddle and then it has the egg and it says, this is your brain, the egg, and then they crack it open and it goes under the griddle and it says, this is your brain on drugs. This is your life in Christ. <laughs> This is what your life in Christ looks like. This is an area that's southwest Galilee. It's a convergence of three different natural springs. It has emerald water. It always stays at 82.4 degrees Fahrenheit. Some scholars would say that this was the original Garden of Eden. It, was, it is lush. It is refreshing. And regardless of what is taking place around it in the environment, you know, it, during the dry season, it is just scorching heat. And everything else is brown, dry, and dead except for one place. Gan Hash Lasha. Like that place always remains green, always lush, always vibrant, always producing life. The rainy season, everything around it is green. Dry season, everything else is brown. During the rainy season, everything is alive. During the dry season, everything is dead except for this. Why? Because it's drawing from a subterranean resource that does not go dry. This is your life in Christ. That regardless of what takes place in the circumstances, you could be making millions, you could be losing millions. You could be, you could be getting your shirt, you could be losing your shirt. You could be gaining reputation, you could be losing reputation, but regardless of the circumstances of your life, you're able to produce the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, because you have within you something that you're drawing from that is impervious or that is not contingent upon the circumstances of this world. This is what it looks like to be mature, that you're continually surrendering to Christ in us who is the hope of glory. The roots of our soul go deep and are drawing from life, everlasting life. That's why Dallas Willard says, the mature disciple is one who just effortlessly does what Jesus would do in her or his place. Effortlessly. How is that possible? Because you're drawing from Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's spiritual maturity. He goes on to say in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, what this maturity does. So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, maturity, continue to live your lives in him. Notice two, two verbs, rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Rooted and built up, speaking to the fact that your identity is in Christ, your identity is in Christ, and that he is continually working in you, drawing from you, doing his work in you and through you. Your identity is in Christ. We live in a culture that says, you need to find your identity by yourself. In other words, be rooted in your roots. 
What, what happens to a plant that is rooted in its own roots and nothing beyond itself? It dies. And we live in a culture that is rooted in its own roots and says if you want to have an identity, you have to make your identity for yourself, which means that you are dependent upon a million different points of affirmation in order to feel alive. And as soon as someone comes along and says, you're no good, you're just like, <laughs> shrivel. But if your roots are drawing from the life of God that's inside of you, it doesn't matter what people say because you're drawing from something that's deeper than what people's opinions are. We're rooted in Christ. We're not rooted in people's opinions. We're not rooted in our, the success or lack of success in our job, the success or the lack of success within our kids. We're not rooted in our last performance review. We're not rooted, listen, in past failures. You're not rooted in what your father said or didn't say. You're not rooted in your bad decisions, and you're not rooted in something that took place in the past. You are rooted in Christ which, you're, which means your identity is rock solid. You are called the beloved. We are a new creation. We are rooted in Christ, so therefore we are his possession. We are alive in him, raised in him, seated with him. We are a royal priesthood. All sufficiency is found in you because you are rooted in Christ. As he is, so you are. We are his bride. We are holy. We are saints. We are part of the elect. We are enriched. We are heirs of God, co-heirs of Christ. We are hidden in Christ. We are dead to sin, alive in him, highly favored, known, and not lacking anything. We are protected, purified, sanctified, saved, sealed, delivered. <laughs> we are redeemed. <laughs> We are sons and daughters of the king. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are transformed in his love. We are vessels of honor and glory. We are, we are set free for his glory. And we are robed Amen. in the righteousness of Christ. We are robed in his righteousness. Now, if that's what's true of us because of what Christ is in us, hope of our hope of glory, what is, how, how do we live in it? I want to offer two things and then close. First, this is how we become mature. We need to be a part of a community, literally, vulnerable in community, like have true community, not play community, in community. Colossians 2.2 says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and what? United in love. United not only in his love, but united in one another's love. We're called to be a community united in love. That's what it means to be created in the image of a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, community. We were built for community. Kurt Thompson says, every person comes into the world looking for someone who is looking for them. Why is that true? Because we're built for one another. God, yes. One another, yes. When God said after sin came into the world, where are you? He didn't say it as a father, like, where are you? We're not knowing where, you know, where are you? It was a question of invitation. Because we were built for him, built for one another. When sin came into the world, we were alienated from God, alienated from one another. Where are you? You're in a place where you were not created for. You were built to be rooted in me, saved in me, delivered in me. That's what we were built for. We were built for community. We're going to have a baptism at this service, three of them. And there's going to be a point where we're going to say, Will all you who witness these vows do all in your power to support these persons in their life in Christ? If so, say we will. We will. This is an expression of the fact that these kids, these mighty men and women of God are being brought into the family, brought into the family of God. We're built for community. Secondly, we need God's word. We need the word of God, the spirit of God with the people of God. 
The word of God, Colossians 1.28 says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He is the one we proclaim, teaching everyone, admonishing everyone with God's word. The Center for Bible Engagement did a study, one of the largest studies of its kind, interviewed 400,000 people from 24 different countries, and they found that the single most greatest factor for transformation um, in Christ was Bible engagement. Now, is it possible to read the Bible all the way through every week for the rest of your life and still not grow? Absolutely. But is it possible to grow in your life in Christ without reading the Bible? No. When you have the Bible, when you have the Word of God with the people of God in the Spirit of God, what you have is maturity. That's how we grow in maturity. It's community in God's Word. It's God's truth with God's people brought together maturity. Um, some of you know that uh, that I struggle with the pressure to perform, and I and I've and I've, and I've shared that with you with um, and many sometimes a few times. <laughs> um, and I was, uh, and it's just something that I continue to bring, bring before the Lord. And uh, uh, my wife and I see a counselor, his name's David. And uh, he, he, he was able to name this part of me a number of months ago. He said, Billy, what, what would you give a name to that person? And I'd, I've never watched a Marvel movie. I've never seen a Marvel movie. Um, but the name that came to mind was Captain America. But I just want to go to those places and just, you know, so I think, like, Fixing up homes, planting churches, you know, doing all this stuff. There's this, there's part of me that is just motivated by this thing, this, this desire, this drive, this pressure to perform. And two and a half weeks ago, we were at a session. And he said, he asked me the question, he says, talking, talking about Captain America, he says, how does Captain America feel? And I said, tired. And he said, why? And I said, because I'm tired of living up to this A that's on me always trying to achieve. And he says, what do you want to do? And I said, take off the suit. And he asked, do you want help? My initial thought was, no, I can do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like the Holy Spirit catched the words. Because if I tried to do it myself, I'd put the suit back on myself. I need a community. So it was David and my wife, Jana. I said, I need help. And he says, who do you want to help you? And I said, you and Jana. We took off the suit and we laid it down. And then he said, what do you want to do with this suit? And I said, I want to take it to the feet of Jesus. He said, do you want help? I wanted to say, no, I can do it myself. <laughs> I felt like the Holy Spirit catch my words. And I said, no, I need help. He said, who do you want to help you? And I said, you and Jana. So the three of us picked up the suit. We walked it over to the feet of Jesus. And I expected to see, as I looked up, the crucified Christ. Because of my sin, because of what I've done, my sin put Christ on the cross. And while that's true, when I was before Jesus, I looked up, and it wasn't the crucified Christ, it was the resurrected Christ. And I laid the suit down at the feet of Jesus. And then Christ took the suit 
And I thought that when he touched it, it, the suit was going to be incinerated, disappear. But as he touched the suit, it was transformed into a righteous robe. And he put the righteous robe on me. And I got on my knees and I worshiped Jesus. Clothed in his righteousness. And it was not possible by myself. I needed community. The people of God with the word of God allowed me to live into the identity that Christ has been offering. Now the point of that is not to highlight the suit that I am tempted by to wear. But I'd ask you, what suit are you wearing this morning? What suit have you brought in? Is it a suit of fear? Is it a suit of doubt? A suit of not feeling loved? Of guilt? Of shame? Of performance? What suit have you brought in? And the invitation for us all here today is with one another to lay the suit down at the feet of Jesus and allow his resurrected touch to bring the suit up, to transform that suit into his righteous robes so that he can place those on you that you may know who you are in Christ. You are not what the suit says. You are what Jesus says. That is your identity.